1: Hello, and welcome to What Catholics Believe. I am your host, Thomas Nagley, and with me tonight, as usual, is Father William Jenkins from the Society of St. Pius V, and pastor of Immaculate Conception Church in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. Hello, Tom. It is perhaps an infallible truth to say that if the shepherd is struck, the flock will scatter. We certainly saw this happen in the aftermath of Vatican II where the Catholic shepherd was struck with the terrible disease of modernism, and naturally the Catholic flock was scattered far and wide and left without the true, reliable voice of a good shepherd of the Catholic Church. As evidence of this fact, I submit the dozens and dozens of emails that we receive almost on a daily basis from individuals who are seeking, desperately seeking any semblance of spiritual guidance or counseling or leadership. So, Father Jenkins, tonight I would like for you to address several of these emails that we have received from souls spe- uh, seeking this spiritual guidance and counseling. And I would like to begin the program with an email all the way from Germany, where a viewer writes in and says, I have reconciled with the Catholic Church in January of 2016 after being away for about 13 years. Back then I had a lot of financial problems and thought that I could save on church taxes if I left. I was born in 1974 and baptized. My worries are that I have no Mass to go to. There are only Novus Ordo Masses around here. Today, a nun approached me after I lit a candle for my late grandfather, and she tried to convince me to join the Novus Ordo Mass. But something keeps me from doing it. I am too, I'm also insecure after I found out about the changes that took place. On the other hand, I feel bad not to go to Mass at all. Where will I receive the Body of Christ? There is one Society of St. Pius X Church in town, It is held in Latin, but I am insecure there as well. Is it enough for me to only pray at my house? What would you suggest for me?
0: Well, unfortunately this question could be repeated thousands of times. It is actually repeated thousands of times in people all over the world today. (laughs) And uh, I understand, gentlemen, Lydia, I don't know, you didn't identify them. This person in Germany faced the situation that if they belonged to a religious denomination. They are taxed <clears throat> because the state has taken upon itself to be the uh, uh, basically bankroll the, uh, the religious groups and, and pay the salaries of the uh, clergy and expense and so on. It's a way for state control, and it's, it amazes me that uh, that was ever tolerated. But unfortunately, same in France, I believe where this, the state actually nationalized all the churches you know, and simply allows the uh, religious denominations to use them. Right? Um, so, um, as this person says, uh, he or she was experiencing financial difficulties so they could save on the church tax. But now, I, I don't understand because uh, I'm going to say he. Um, he says he's, he's reconciled with the Catholic Church. But uh, I, I gather from that he means the Novus Ordo, um, with its hierarchy, with its clergy, and its new mass, right? But he obviously hasn't reconciled with the new church, because he won't go to it, won't take part in it. So I gather from that, what he, I gather that he's saying that he has officially returned to it, uh, publicly, it is maybe paying the tax again, but is not actually going to the church for worship at the Novus Ordo. That's what I'm getting from this. So, um, this is kind of an anomalous situation because were he to go, for example, to the Society of Saint Pius the Tenth Mass in whatever city this is in Germany. Uh, he might have to declare that and run it, again, paying a tax, but I don't know if they'd apply that to the Novo Church or where that would go. I don't know if the Society of St. Pius X in Germany is registered as an official church and if it actually receives the payments from the government or not. I, uh, I'm kind of curious about that, um, to say the least. But the problem with uh, going to the Society of St. Pius X and signing on with them would be that he would be... Um, of course, setting himself up to be back in the Nova Soto again anyway mm-hmm. uh at, at least back in league with the Nova Soto because the society of St Pius tenth is is threatening is actually on the verge, according to all reports, just a signature away, just a decision away, basically a breath or a heartbeat away from signing on with uh Francis and the nova Soto i'm I'm sorry, but it's in it, the nova Soto circus, but it's a, a circus not in the sense of our modern term, but circus in the sense of the old Roman term, okay, um, which was basically an attack on the faith, right, uh, I mean, that's where the martyrs died, right, in the circuses of Rome, and in the theaters of Rome, <clears throat> so, um, so uh, I just don't know what this person's situation is. I, I couldn't recommend that he go to the, the, the Society of St. Pius X Church there. I wish I knew what city he was in and I wish I knew what, what priest was there because there are priests in the Society of St. Pius X and not a few of them who do not approve of this um, idea of, of uh, formally realigning or aligning with modernist Rome. And there might well be you know, a good priest there in Germany who uh, has you know, his mind straight on this and uh, wants to do what is right. I don't know. <clears throat> but I don't know the city and I don't know the uh, priest who's there. So I certainly cannot recommend that he begin frequenting the Mass of the Society of St. Pius X under those circumstances. Um, I guess really that person has no alternative but to either find a true traditional mass offered by a true traditional priest within driving distance of his home, assuming he drives. Um, the next, the next step would be to, to remain home and uh, to, um, uh, at least, you know, avail himself of the, the traditional mass. Prayers by praying the uh, praying the the missal of the mass on Sundays or even daily if he can, and uh, perhaps watch uh, if there are live broadcasts of the traditional mass that he can get, uh, or at least even just a a a, a uh, program you know a recorded program of the mass. At least he can spiritually unite himself with the offering of the mass throughout the world, and uh, and make his spiritual communion. Okay? So he's got to try to find a way to practice the faith under those circumstances. He would become a home loner <clears throat> by necessity, not by choice. Okay? Um, but I would recommend that he contact true traditional Catholic organizations that are at least there, you know, in Germany, and uh, I, I would warn him against getting involved in any way with the so-called tuch clergy. Uh, descended from Archbishop took a Thuc, and not have anything to do with that. But if he can find true traditional Catholic priests, um, he should contact them, let them know of his plight, and ask them to direct him to a true traditional mass. Perhaps even one of them could come through his town or village and even offer mass occasionally. Mm-hmm. Any true traditional Catholic priest, I think, would. Respond to that with an open heart and want to help this soul and do whatever he could reasonably to uh, avail him this man of the sacraments
1: Definitely.
0: in the meantime pray very hard learn your faith and uh, Something else you might do too um, Would be to um, Maybe even put an ad in the paper <laughs> a local paper Asking if there are other traditional Catholics in your area who uh, share your views and your traditional Catholic faith and want the traditional Mass and only the traditional Mass, and see what kind of a response you get. You might find out that you have a certain a um, uh, number of support you know people in agreement who uh, at least could meet to pray the Rosary, support each other in their faith, and maybe collectively even ask for a real traditional priest to come. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, uh, right immediately, that's the, the, what comes to mind.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great idea. I think that's great advice, Father. You mentioned the uh, the took line, and we have another email here uh, that, that mentions that 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 problem there. This one's actually from Belgium. So uh, this viewer writes in and says, about a year ago, I found my interest in traditional Catholicism. It has been a very long way getting here. I come from a secular family with my dad being an agnostic type who has a miseducated view on Catholicism, and my mother being a Protestant who did not raise me with the Lord and prayer. I also have a brother who I love very much, but I am concerned about him because of his atheism and liberalism. Me and my best friend are walking this path together searching for God. We went from being new age idiots to being born again Christians to being orthodox to finally finding more answers in traditional Catholicism. It has been a long and confusing road, and there are still a lot of questions. With the church being an eclipse, there is no place nearby for us to get the sacraments. We both wear the scapular and pray the rosary to keep ourselves in contact with Mary. I am not baptized and don't know for sure if the baptism of desire is enough for for God, even in times like these. There is a, quote, traditional priest in Belgium, but he comes from the Took line. You will probably mm-hmm. understand me when I state that this is a big mess, and sometimes it all seems hopeless. What do we need to do? Well,
0: first of all, I, I thank God for the graces He's given to these <laughs> folks finding their way to the it's Traditional great. Catholic Faith. You know, that's that's quite a quite a journey. Yeah, to taken. And certainly, I, I think in this case God has rewarded their desire for the truth. I mean, what I hear is that the man was. Going through all of these stages, looking for truth, mm-hmm. and uh, of course the Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth. You know, where there is a love for truth, really, honestly, truly, a love for truth, there is at least implicitly a love for the Holy Ghost, and it looks as though that love uh, for truth has blossomed into explicit love for God, the Holy Ghost, the Father and the Son. So uh, it is. It is certainly a problem. Um, there are uh, there are traditional Catholics we know in Belgium right now, and they they do go to traditional priests uh, they don't all go to uh well I, I know there are certain took clergy in Belgium, okay, but they're not the only ones I mean there are other traditional Catholic clergy in Belgium those that that are nowhere not associated with the society of St Pius X necessarily they might have been at what time one time they're not now um there are uh, those in Belgium who are not of the Tuk line. Um, So, it it would be very good for us to be able to respond to a gentleman like that. Uh, I'm a little reluctant even to name the cities because I don't want to (laughs) release the identity of anybody who writes into us unless they say, you know, please uh, mention my my. city, town, village, uh, and uh, to see if anybody's listening out there who knows an answer to my question. Then those are there's a traditional priest nearby. Or even a traditional priest might have to be listening and, uh, and respond. You know. But no one, as far as I know, has done that. At least these two have not. So, again, it is a real mess, but uh, Belgium is not a, you know, an extensive place relative to the United States of America. And uh, essentially, one could drive throughout Belgium uh, in a relatively short amount of time. It would take a few hours, obviously, and uh, to, you know, well, perhaps a bit more than that, (laughs) but in any case, for those who are willing to travel um, periodically, once a week, once every other week, uh, they should be able to find a real traditional priest, and so... uh, I would ask you to hang on to this so we can cut ra- get back to this gentleman and give him what information sure. you know, we have for yeah. him. Yeah. But I, I just want to thank, as I say, publicly thank Almighty God for the graces he's given to him. Mm-hmm. But I also express a certain admiration for a, a man like that who has been through so many desert areas and uh, uh, <clears throat> found his way. Uh, through Death Valley, as it were, to uh, to the traditional faith, because he had to cooperate with the grace of God to do that. And after all, all God needs is our cooperation. That's all He needs. He will provide the grace if we will only cooperate. And it sounds like this gentleman and his brother, I yeah, mm-hmm. are in fact cooperating. So that's truly admirable. It's very <laughs> actually edifying today. Yeah,
1: definitely, definitely. Well, let's move in. Then let's move on. Then, Father, to another one. Uh, This one, the viewer writes in and says, I've been listening to your email responses on YouTube regarding the plight of Catholics isolated from traditional priests, mass and sacraments. The solutions you give, such as making a long road trip once a month, pool resources with Catholic friends or move are, for me, not possible. Without going into great detail, I have sole responsibility for my elderly parents mm. and still working despite fair health myself. I lack access to reliable transportation and the finances to make what would have to, what, uh, the, finance, the finances would have to be at a, at a minimum, a three-day, two-night trip, um, so on and so forth. I have prayed now for nearly five years for a solution to these things. I have two close friends who are traditional Catholics, both of whom would like to help but whose life situations are similar to mine. Unmarried, widow, poor health, limited finances. One lives 985 miles away. The other lives in Australia. Neither has internet access. So in that respect, I'm somewhat better off than they. The friend in the U.S. has a traditional Catholic, has a traditional chapel and a son who takes her to church every few weeks, although he himself has left the faith. I consider trying to contact her priest, but I have reservations as he is a Feniite. The friend in Australia has no family, lives in state sponsored senior housing, and has gone without priest mass and sacraments for nearly 10 years. She advises me to accept this as my cross, pray the full rosary every day and be content. It seems to be enough for her. If there are any traditional Catholics in my local er- in my local area, I wouldn't know where or how to find them. I can email but I'm not com- compu- but I'm not computer savvy enough to do much else. I find myself doing more worrying over the matter than praying. Therefore, peace of soul has departed. I set out to pray, but my prayers turn into fretting and plotting. I fear I've lost out on many graces, both for myself and for my parents, by anxiously searching for a solution to my predicament. As you can probably see, I have a melancholic temperament and am rather scrupulous. Shall I quit trying to find the normal Catholic means and concentrate on prayer, penance, spiritual reading, leaving the rest in our Lord's hands? I know God does not command the impossible, but I also know that He demands cooperation with the graces He gives. What if I have failed Him? Your advice and prayers are greatly appreciated.
0: Well, it, it is somewhat clear that you have a melancholic temperament <laughs>
1: dealing with here. <laughs> yeah. What
0: what's is this? This is in the United States. This gentleman right?
1: ah, or it's it's lady. a it's a woman. I'm mm-hmm. assuming, but I'm not sure. It doesn't. It so doesn't I just wonder us. what
0: state the person would be in.
1: I'm not sure. It doesn't say.
0: And. Um, obviously uh, if they are taking care of their invalid parents,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the only way they could um I, as that I can think of offhand of getting free to even be able to attend a mass even if it were an hour away you know um depending on how how needy the parents are, you know she might not be able to step out of the house even for fifteen minutes without fearing you know what what will happen. Um, so even if the mass were down the block, I mean, she might say, I can't leave them even during that time. You know? But, um, you know, I don't know if this person is able to um, get health care in the house. Uh, often for invalid parents in the United States of America, it's possible to get some kind of a, a, a visiting nurse service to come by and spend an hour to uh, bathe you know, the, the invalids and so on. And to give the um the elderly infirm a good treatment and check up on their health while the caretaker is away, and it goes away for go shopping, I mean she must either go shopping or have somebody shop for her. i, I just I don't know the specific circumstances so um <clears throat> I would say assuming and this is the assumption that you cannot leave your parents for the length of time um <laughs> That uh, the best you can do is pray the Rosary every day, offer the Mass prayers, and um, uh, we we need to be sure that on this on this channel, uh, what Catholics believe, on this uh, site, whatever you want to call it, we do have re- recordings of the Mass, right? Uh, low Mass, Sung Mass, even solemn Mass if we can. Um, for example, we'll have a day of recollection soon for our students. And um, we'll have a solemn Mass that we're offering here at Immaculate Conception Church. I'd like to see that recorded and uh, put on our site for people who, like this these dear souls, feel that they have nowhere to go. And um, uh, if we do that, uh, you know, and if you have several uh, recorded Masses, uh, then they could at least have that comfort and that consolation. Unite themselves spiritually with our Lord present in the Blessed Sacrament, in the tabernacles where he is truly present, and um, receive uh, spiritual communions. They get a great deal of spiritual benefit from that. Um, I can't help but think, though, that, uh, it, depending on where where this dear lady lives, that we could find uh, a real traditional priest who'd be willing to go out of his way uh, at some point or another just to to go by just to go through town uh get get within range you know uh even for these i assume but I, maybe i shouldn't that mom and dad who she's taken care of are traditional catholics too that they need to be anointed if they're so that that infirm that they could reasonably die
1: she says she says that they went to the new mass oh. until they were physically unable mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm okay well, I guess the question here would be, do they have the faith? Because there are a lot of older people who go to the new mass, uh, but they still have the faith, and they just kind of bury their heads in their like <laughs> kind of in their missiles, and tolerate what is going around on around them because they don't know what else to do. You know? I mean, when you have somebody who comes to the back to the traditional mass at any age, <clears throat> it's it's somewhat likely that they were going to the Novus Ordo at one time or another for a while and might have still been going there until recently. Until finally something happened that they just realized this is wrong, I cannot do this in good conscience anymore. But until then they were trying to finesse this in such a way that their consciences would uh, let's say tolerate what was going on. Right. So um, my, my own grandparents were like that. I mean, they were going to Nova and making excuses for it. They didn't like it. They, they, they gritted their teeth through it. They thought it was they had to because it was the Catholic thing to do. And uh, my grandfather died, unfortunately, in those circumstances. Uh, my grandmother uh, came to understand that uh, she did not have to do this. I mean, the only reason which she would go... Is because she felt compelled in conscience to go, and once that chain was broken, uh, it's like the, the 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 door of the birdcage was open, and she flew right out. Uh, she never looked back, you know? and uh, but that's because she still had the faith, and she was suffering in the Novus Ordo, with the Novus Ordo, and um, so uh, there are a lot of people like that. And we still find them coming back to the traditional Mass every, every Sunday. We find more people, new people. Sure. Um, I guess, I, I don't know if her, her uh, parents are still accomplished mentes and if she can uh, talk to them about the faith and go through the catechism with them, make sure they still have the faith, the old true faith. But in any case, you know, even if they're confused and so on, for her to contact a traditional priest, hopefully within driving distance. Of her, and to ask him uh, maybe to come and even to talk to her parents uh, be offer mass there for them and maybe traditional Catholics in the area who are real traditional Catholics, um, you never know where that might go, but she's got to be concerned about the souls of her parents and what's going to become of them because she has those souls in her care as she has their their bodies in her care. She has their persons in her care. And she's got to be thinking in terms of, what do I do for my mom and dad now, too, to make sure they die really in the faith with the true sacraments. So, um, I'd, I'd just suggest she contact, find a way to contact a real traditional Catholic priest. When I say in her area, I mean maybe within an hour's drive or an hour's flight from her to see what could be done for her for the, the traditional Catholics in her care, if they are so, and to try to find a way to make them as so, if possible. Mm-hmm. They die with the true faith and with the true sacraments.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Father, we briefly mentioned the Society St. Pius X. Uh, we also mentioned the tookline Line, and now we have an email about uh, St. Peter Fraternity Society. So this viewer says, I've been watching many of your videos and have shared some with my mother and brother. After reading some of the papal encyclicals, I sensed that something really fishy was going on. I had been really active in a St. Peter fraternity's church and in other Nova Sordo when St. Peter was not available. I found a traditional chapel nearby and started going there. Traditional meaning before Vatican II and the 1962 Missal. I believe the priests there are independent. I would like to tell the people at the St. Peter fraternity church about it because I became good friends with parishioners there. I just stopped going, so I don't think anyone there knows why. Should I be concerned about this?
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, again, if they are 1962 missile mm. traditional priests, uh, and they're independent, not being with the Society of Saint Pius X or with the Fraternity of Saint Peter. I'd be, I'd be kind of curious about that, you know, how they wound up. Maybe there are resistance priests who left the society and they went independent or whatever. I don't know. Sure. I mean, there are many priests who separated themselves from the Society of St. Pius X who did not actually sign on with the quote-unquote resistance. You know, they, they simply uh, went their way and, and uh, became independent, as I understand it. <clears throat> Maybe that's what she's talking about. And, uh, you know, if she can um, certify as far as she can, I not knowing who she's talking about, that they are validly ordained by a true Catholic, traditional Catholic bishop, and that they really profess the faith in its entirety. Lamentable, they follow the 1962 liturgy with the John 23 changes, but, I mean, because, because um, Monsieur Lefebvre was negotiating with Rome back in the eighties and brought that formally into the Society of St. Pius X and imposed it on the priests of the Society of St. Pius X, the 1962 liturgy, all as a, as, a, as a measure in preparation for realign or aligning with modernist Rome, which ultimately he did not do, as you know. I mean, he, he signed the protocol, tore it up, and he said, we're not doing this, this is not good. This, they're not dealing with this in good faith. Of course they're not, they're modernists, right? Of course they're not going to deal with you in good faith. Um, but in any case, um, because of that, the efforts made, the steps taken to effect that realignment, the Society of St. Pius X uh, found the 1962 John Twenty-Third. Uh, liturgy, the changes imposed throughout, okay and that is why even now when you have priests disassociating themselves from the Society of St. Pius X because now of all the rumblings about getting back to get, getting together with modernist Rome, the modernist Vatican they're still using the 1962 liturgy as uh, the gold standard, and it is not the gold standard at all, I and mean, it's, it's already corrupted by the changes of John XXIII and they might say, oh, the differences are, are so, so meager, so minor comparison to the Novus Ordo. And I would say, well, you may say relative to the full-blown Novus Ordo, the changes that you're using in the 1962 liturgy might seem rather benign, like, but they're still tumors, you know, they're still benign tumors. And um, they were still made for the same reasons that the full-blown Novus Ordo was finally put into effect. And all of those changes, the John XXIII and the 1962 liturgy, were made with the Novus Ordo in mind as the goal. It was a step toward the Novus Ordo. So it was envisioned as by those who affected the changes, notably John Twenty-Third. So, the, the, the proto-modernist of the Novus Ordo papacy. You know, so, um, no, it is not the gold standard at all. It is not the standard of anything, really. Not, not, nothing Catholic, anyway. It's a deviation, and a derogation, and a, a deterioration, if you want to call it that. But in any case, um, I would say she should be concerned you know, to make sure that all is on the up and up where she's going now. And, uh, but that she made the right step in leaving the Fraternity of St. Peter, because they're formerly part of the Novus Ordo. I mean, remember, when, when you go into Fraternity St. Peter, you're basically agreeing with the fundamental principle that the traditional Mass, even the John the 23rd, 62, is the extraordinary form. I mean, this is what you're agreeing to in principle, publicly agreeing to that. That you're accepting the, the ability that you have, and even the availability of the 1962 uh, liturgy. As a privilege that is given, not as a right as a Catholic, you have to, but as a privilege that is a fra- accorded you by Francis, okay, who hates the traditional Mass, and his Novus Ordo clergy, right? They say that their Novus Ordo is the ordinary form. That's their standard, that's their gold standard liturgy, right? And that they are basically tolerating um as an extraordinary measure the latin the traditional latin mass more or less traditional latin mass um this this means in in practice you're admitting to a lie you're admit you're agreeing to a lie you're signing on the dotted line that you have the right to attend a catholic mass a real catholic mass a valid catholic mass only insofar as and to the extent that, and as long as they are willing to allow you to do so, and that when they say you can't do that anymore, you do have to comply. You're agreeing to that. That they have the authority to do that. They have the right to that. You have the obligation to obey that. That's a lie. Uh, the, the The fraternity of Saint Peter priests are trying to practice the traditional faith within modernism, right? Within the very heart of modernism, the, the, you know. The diocese isn't under the authority of the modernists. And uh, this is, it is frankly, theologically speaking, religiously speaking, absurd. They are actually making, and they are not just making the argument, they are the embodiment of the argument of ecumenism that you can have two different faiths with two different forms of worship that are actually mutually opposed to each other uh, within the same church. The modernists are thrilled to say, by all means, let's have a Latin Mass within our fold here, you know, and going on the same basis, uh, if we can have the, an extraordinary form and, a, and an ordinary form of liturgy, right, uh, the, the, their ordinary form um, crafted and implemented to destroy the ordinary form, and, uh, the extraordinary form, the Latin Mass, and simply obliterate it, annihilate it. But now let's say, well, let's let's bring them in, let's give them a place at the table, and by the same token, by the same principle, if we say, these are two different religions here, so why not have the Buddhists here, and the Islamics here, and so on, and uh, have a, a nice big table with all these different religions under the same umbrella church. This is the ecumenist dream. And the fraternity of St. Peter is, is, is actually probably their their first great prize. <clears throat> all the time, the modernists are working with the Lutherans, signing documents of accord with the Lutherans in their faith of salvation, justification, <clears throat> uh, common worship, and all the rest. Why wouldn't the fraternity of St. Peter say, well, gee, I mean, you can be so friendly with the Lutherans and and work and, and worship with them, and even believe what they believe why can't why can't we come along and, and join you in this great journey of ecumenism and you just recognize us, give us the same status as you would give the Lutherans even you know we're a legitimate religion, right we have a legitimate place right you want to reunite with them, like Francis hugging the female archbishop right in uh, in Sweden that was Sweden. I think it was Sweden uh, and saying. At the same time, he's telling people, we're not going to accept women priests, and telling her, we want to be sharing communion with you. You know, <laughs> this this woman, right? Archbishop. So, anyway, um, I mean, what, what's the Society of St. Peter, Fraternity of St. Peter, saying? We want you to be as nice to us as you are to the Lutherans? And uh, we would be really happy, you know, if you would even say that we, you, we are one with you, you know. You are one in faith with Luther, and we are one in faith with you, because that's what you say in, in their liturgy, you know. That's what you say in the traditional Mass. That's what the fraternity of St. Peter is saying when they get up. When their priests get up to their altars, they're saying they are one in faith with Francis, and Francis is one in faith with Archbishop Betsy, you know. <laughs> Betty Lou over here. So, um,. <laughs> It doesn't. It, this is ecumenism run amok. Well, ecumenism is amok anyway, so you can say it run amok. <clears throat> but this this would certainly be traditional Catholicism run amok. It's not traditional Catholicism at all. She's right to have left the fraternity of St. Peter altogether. Should she be concerned? Yeah. But before she goes around telling the people over at St. Yeah, fraternity of St. Peter. You know, there's something fishy going on here. Have you read those encyclicals? They don't say anything about heaven, you know, or souls or purgatory or anything like that. <clears throat> or hell, heaven forbid, talk about hell, right? Um, uh, they're all about the world and social justice and you know, all this is the social gospel. And we now that we know that communists are secret Catholics... And in many ways, they're more Catholic than those traditionalists, who are a bunch of neo pelagian heretics. <laughs> the, whole, the whole, gamut, you know. So, before she goes to those people and says, "Look, you know, you're making a mistake. I was making a mistake. I'm not making a mistake now. You're still making a mistake in guarding the to Church of St. Peter." But before she leads them all over to. Um, the the uh, 1962 Latin mass she's going to, she doesn't want to be like the Pied Piper of Hamelin leading them all over there. She wants to make sure that they're going on the right track there. Mm-hmm. So that's why I recommend that she look into this a little more deeply, that's a fun. lot more deeply. Okay. In fact, if I can help, other tra- uh, members of the Society of St. Pius V can help, or members of the Congregation of St. Pius V mm-hmm. can help in real time. I'm sure any of them would be very happy to help.
1: Sure, sure. Well, our next email, Father, uh, seems to play off what, what you just spoke of as far as um, attending this, uh, this Latin Mass through the diocese as he terms as he, uh, it here. So this viewer says, I've been on a slow journey out of the Nova Ordo. I'm currently going to the Society of St. Pius 10th Mass two times a month when they visit, and the other two times a month I am going to the Latin Mass through the diocese. I feel guilt about how to stay in communion with Rome, Uh, with this 57 year old crisis I want to be a good Catholic but uh, I have to stay connected with the Catholic faith of our fathers what can I do to have something to say to our Lord when I die and face him your priests are so very logical oh (laughs) well I'd be you (laughs) well yeah well
0: that's very good of them to say (laughs) that Uh, but like, like might be more than logical, though, but also the crisis is more than 57 years old. It was brewing for decades before, as as you know. It just kind of burst upon the scene. Um, <clears throat> um, sort of it broke ground, shall we say, and manifested itself. But St. Pius X, back in 1907, was sounding the alarm about a crisis that was forming with the uh, invasion of the modernists in the Church. He said... The modernists were already in the, in the very veins, of, in the bloodstream of the, very, of the church itself. Uh, and he said they were the worst enemies the church had ever known. <clears throat> Not only because they were well positioned to, to, to attack her from within, but because their object was to destroy the very meaning of faith, what faith is. Not just a doctrine of the faith, they didn't want to just burn catechisms. They were out to destroy the very virtue of faith in the human soul. Um, So that they were going to redefine what faith, what a faith is, and they did. That's what we're dealing with now. Um, So when Francis says he believes something, it doesn't mean the same thing as when you or I say, as Catholics, we believe something, because the modernist definition of faith is not the same as the traditional, the real Catholic definition of faith. Now. I, I would just tell them flat out, you know, you should not be going to the diocese for the, again, for the reasons I said, because in doing so, you are practicing the ecumenism that they are that they are setting as their ultimate objective. To basically tell you that all these different religions are different flavors, but they're all ultimately the same thing. And you can all squeeze them all into the same church uh, basically at the same time. And they all are included uh, under the heading of Christian and then even beyond that, um, that they all recognize the same God. You know, they're just in different ways. You know? if, we, if you go to the Church of St. Ignatius, the Basilica of St. Ignatius in Rome, <coughs> uh, you'll, you'll find something interesting. It's actually rather horrifying. Uh, as soon as you walk in, the main doors of that church of St Ignatius, it's just slightly north of the Jesu okay? The Holy Name of Jesus church, right? Magnificent church. Just slightly north of that is the church, the Basilica of uh, of St Ignatius. I think the body of St. Robert Bellarmine lies in repose there. You'll find Uh, To your right, a model, a model in wood. And it is a model of a church. At first, it looks very ornate, but it's a monotone. It's like a dark brown. And as you study it, you begin to discern certain features of it. It is a central, uh, large building, Okay, rather circular. And coming out, emanating from the, that center, are the churches representing the world's religions. Okay? They're all together united under the dome of this major, main center of peace. But you find the crescent of the, uh, of the Islamists, okay? the symbols of the various world religions, including the cross <coughs> for Christianity. They're all, they're all actually one. They all stem from the, same, from the same source. They all lead back to the same unity. Right? This is a very powerful, as I say, horrifying representation of the ecumenists' uh, goal, of, the, of their, their principles and their ultimate goal. Uh, basically, to have a one world religion, which says, follow your tastes, but realize that everybody else doesn't doesn't have the same taste that you do. So recognize you all worship the same God, that your personal faith involves your own personal experience and what is meaningful to you. but that the Buddhists and the Confucianists and the Shintoists and the Taoists and the and the Native Americans and the um all the different forms of Christianity and so they all have their legitimate expressions that begin with God and end with God because this corresponds to their Perfectly legitimate, every bit as legitimate as yours, experience of faith, experience of God. Okay, These are just different expressions of the same, ultimately the same experience of God. We're all going to be reunited now, religiously, so that we can all share the same experience of God. We're going to take the experience of God that Jesus of Nazareth had. We're going to take the experience of God that Mohammed had. We're going to take an experience of God that Moses had, that Confucius had, that Buddha had, and so on. We're going to somehow work them out so that whatever doctrines or ideas might divide them and might distinguish them are going to be, shall we say, sanded down and eventually just kind of polished away. So that gradually we'll all come together and realize We were all experiencing the same God. And that will give you the one world religion. Mm -hmm. Now to think that that is a a very prominent feature of the Church of St. Ignatius of Loyola. I mean, you know what St. Ignatius of Loyola stood for, right? Talk about the most egregious insult to God and to his saint, Ignatius Loyola. Uh, but this is what modernism is. It is it is a, an a, a atrocious insult to Almighty God. It is an atrocious insult to the Father, an atrocious insult to the Son, and an outrageous insult to the Holy Ghost as a spirit of truth. Okay. Um, when you go and you worship in the uh, Latin Mass offered by your diocese, you are basically uh, professing by action... They're a lie that this is the extraordinary form that you are permitted to have only because we are willing to give it to you, and uh, this is not the actual official worship of our Church, which is true, right? But they're trying to to say that this is not the official worship of the Catholic Church, and this is where they lie, as they say that they are the Catholic Church, and they're not the Catholic religion, the Novus Sona. You should stay away from there. I mean, I would ask him. Well, look. Suppose, um, suppose the Lutheran Church uh, figured, "Hey, we're losing members here. Let's let's bring in some kind of Latin Mass in here and see if we can't come and get some of these Latin Math Catholics who've fallen away. Let's see if we can't get them through the doors." say and they succeeded, they they had a, a priest come and say, "Oh yeah, I'd, I'd be glad to come and say a Latin Mass in your church. How ecumenical! That would be wonderful, you know." And, um, and they started having these drifting, you know, uh, fallen away Catholic people coming back through the doors because they see, oh, Latin Mass, you know, gee, that's nostalgia for me, so I'm going to go back and experience that again. i have been asking, ask him, would you go? Would he go to that? I'd like to, th- I'd hope he would say, no, of course I wouldn't go. Don't go to the Don't go to the diocese. Don't encourage them. Uh, in their assault on the faith because all they want to do is get you back through the door and they use that as bait and they want to thoroughly Oralize you and you won't even know what's happening but you're going to be gradually losing your resistance to the novasortal uh sort of like your 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 immune system is losing its resistance you know to some deadly disease you know and, um, and eventually, you're going to uh, either slowly succumb and slip right into it by compromising, compromising, compromising. Or the moment will tell me you realize what's happening to me. I'm accepting things that I formerly would never have done, would never have said, would never have accepted what am I going to do? And then you face that, that choice again, am I going to flee while I can? Or am I going to enjoy living in the trap? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I would ask this man, please, uh, make sure you're going to a true traditional Catholic Mass, offered by a true trad- traditional Catholic fief, priest, uh, ordained by a true traditional Catholic bishop, and I say true because there are many pretend traditional mm-hmm. traditionalists out there, even among, and among the clergy as well as laity. But don't don't fall into the the trap set by the Novus Ordo to try to lure those who still have the faith back within their fold, because um, they uh, they do not have the voice of the good shepherd. Uh, guiding them, and they will eventually be led astray.
1: Mm-hmm. And Father, this this idea of ecumenism that you're talking about, it seems to be a lot like uh, the idea of um, of pantheism, basically, mm-hmm. where we would have uh, the, the churches had martyrs um, in, in our early history where the, the saints would, would refuse to admit their their God to the pantheon, mm-hmm. and they would give their life for this. And now mm-hmm. it seems that the Catholics have have lost that that zeal, and now they have they have given in. And that's what it seems that that they, these Latin mass through the diocese. It seems that that is that is uh, the admitting of that of that pantheistic principle. Mm-hmm. But I, and in closing, Father, I would like to point out that um, we have countless more emails of this same nature. We could we could do an entire series on, on emails of, of this. this. But I'd I like to say that one thing that I think uh, that has been really pungent for me personally is that I think persons like myself who are lucky enough to be born and raised in a true traditional Catholic faith, sometimes we can take it for granted and not realize the, the true extent of this terrible crisis that the church is facing right now. So I think um, if there's one thing, one good thing that comes from reading all, all of these terribly... Mm-hmm. sad emails, is, is that it can uh, lead to a greater appreciation of our
0: faith. I would certainly hope so, Tom, and I'm glad that that had the effect with you. Yeah. Um, I would like to think that uh, it would have that effect with any good soul. Yeah. Um, especially our young people, mm-hmm. because they've been raised in the traditional faith. They never knew the Novus for the most part. And I would dread to think that they'll take it for granted, because if they do, they will lose it.
1: Exactly. Well, thanks and, for being.
0: Uh, these are good people we need to pray for.
1: Definitely. Yeah. We're, yeah. We'll definitely be doing that. But thanks for yeah. being here tonight, Father. And thanks well, for trying to, to thank try you. To no, no problem. No problem. Thanks to all of our viewers for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Also, thank you to all of these uh, wonderful questions that we received through our email address and also the Facebook group. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady of Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you, and God bless you.